Pastor Ed Taylor says any true work of the Spirit will elevate Jesus. Anything that's from the Spirit is going to be a declaration of Jesus, His glory, His goodness. And that's an important thing to understand in the context of a church family. Because there are some uh, ministries and, and some gatherings that are outside, just completely out of control. And, and people are yelling and screaming and doing all kinds of weird things. And then when you ask them, what are you doing? They'll say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do that. But the Holy Spirit will never draw attention to himself. He'll always point people to Jesus Christ. Just like you, anything that you and I do, if we're drawing attention to ourselves, it's not from the Lord. But if we're drawing attention to Jesus Christ, we know that's a work of the Spirit. This is amazing grace. From Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace with our pastor and teacher, Ed Taylor. We're in an in-depth study of John's gospel at the present time. Head over to chapter 16, if you would. So your son or daughter is living in sin, or your friend is in clear rebellion against God. You might be under the impression that it's your responsibility to bring conviction their way, but in reality, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. As we begin, Pastor Ed elaborates on this as we again consider the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's a conviction of judgment. And notice he says, because in verse 11, the ruler of this world is judged. There's a conviction of judgment. The Bible teaches us that God, when he created us, he put eternity in our hearts. And what that means is that he has created us as eternal beings, and we recognize that there is something after this life. We recognize it. We may not admit it, but we recognize it. And when conviction of of judgment comes, he ties it to the ruler of this world. He's making a reference to the devil here, Satan. The ruler of this world is judged. And even though it seems, and might even feel like at times, that the devil has tremendous amount of power and he's doing a tremendous amount of damage. It's not true. Yes, the Bible does say, according Peter tells us, that he's like a roaring lion. He roams around looking whom he might devour. But the Bible also says in Colossians that principalities and powers were taken care of at the cross. And so the devil has been judged. And he still has some freedom, but it's limited by God. And the Spirit of God will bring that conviction, which reminds us one more thing before we close down today. Which reminds us that Jesus teaches us that it's the Spirit of God that brings conviction. Not you or me. You and I are unable to convict anyone of their sin, of their unrighteousness, or of judgment. And we make a grave error when we seek to argue and convince and try to fight our way to bring conviction upon someone we love or someone that we share with. The Bible teaches that some people plant a seed of the gospel, others water, but it's always God that brings the increase. So it's not that God won't use us, and it's not that we might not have some convincing biblical arguments or that we might be able to really give a solid word. That the, the, we're also taught that we are to be ready 
to give an answer for the hope that's within us. We're told to study to show ourselves approved. So it's not like God won't use us, but you can rest assured that conviction is not your responsibility. God will do the work of conviction. The people you're praying for right now, maybe it's that prodigal son or daughter that you so want to convince that the choices that they're making right now uh, are just devastatingly painful and harmful, not just for you, but for them. Only the Holy Spirit can bring conviction in their lives. So pray for it. Uh, We know it happens, but if you take the tack of wanting to bring it yourself, you will fail because we are unable to convince anyone of the truth. God has to, which means sometimes we have to stand back and watch injustice. Sometimes we have to stand back and say, well, Lord, it seems like for a thousand people, this looks wrong, but they're convinced that it's right. Lord, you take care of them. I commit them to you. I commit this situation to you so that my relationship with you will not be hindered and interrupted. It's the work of the Spirit. And so you can see now a little bit. They don't understand it yet, but we see it on the other end that it was to their advantage that he left because we have the benefits of his leaving because it was to our advantage as well. Now notice verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you all things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I emphasize the he's there a little bit just for you. Jesus is pretty clear. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. And he has a work on the earth today. And as Jesus begins to wrap things up, he's letting him know there's still more, but he can't give it to him right now. That's a pretty hard thing to hear. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I wonder if Jesus would tell you that And there's a situation in your life or something. And he says, I'm going to tell you how it's going to, but you can't take it right now. I I know my personality. Because there are different personalities in the room today. Uh, Like, for example, uh, if if you have a wound and there's a Band-Aid on it, there are some of you that when you take the Band-Aid off, you close your eyes and you hold out your arm and you just little, oh, 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 little, little. You take like an hour to take it off. But that's your deal. That's how you like to do it. You want to prolong the pain. That's just the way you do it. (laughs) There are others of you that, you know, when you take a Band-Aid off and that's it. Oh! and it's over. You want it all now. It's the same way of jumping into a pool. There are those that come up to the pool and it's like, wait a minute. And just like, wait a minute. That's kind of like uh, Pee Wee Herman there. I'm like thinking, if you guys know. And you take your little toe and you put it in, whoa, it's so cold. And then five people are running past you and jumping in. Now, if you're the kind of person who likes to jump in the pool, then when Jesus says, I have a lot more things to tell you, but I can't tell you right now, you're going to say, I want to know. I can handle it. Tell me it all. I got to know. You'll lose sleep over it. So what did Jesus want to tell me? I want to know. Why doesn't he want to tell me? Why can't I handle it? What's going on? I think I can, you, that'll be you. Others of you, you're like, well, if you don't want to tell me, that's fine. Tell me when you want to tell me. So depending on what your personality is, well, well, let's put it in a spiritual, let's put it into a spiritual practice. You're praying and you're praying and you're praying and nothing. You're asking God for wisdom. You're seeking, you're knocking, you're asking, and nothing. And can't you hear heaven say, I have a lot to share with you, but not now. I'll answer that prayer, but not now. Not the way that you want. We often refer to that as waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. And the enemy of waiting on the Lord is impatience. 
the absolute worst things that ever happen in life often are connected to impatience with God. Some of the worst decisions you would ever make will be in a time of impatience, not trusting in the Lord. And here Jesus is saying, I've got a lot more for you, but you just can't take it right now. You can't, and I'm not going to tell you. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you into truth over time. You're on a journey following me. It's not going to all happen at once. It's not going to be all at once. It's going to be little by little. And it can be a very frustrating thing that leads to that leads to frustration. Let me show you what I mean. This is nothing new. Turn over to Exodus chapter 23. God is so good to us that he gives us what we need when we need it. Or you could say it this way. This is a popular phrase not too many years ago. You could say that we're on a need-to-know basis and there are things right now that we just don't need to know. We want to know them. Heaven can say, I've got a, there's a lot more for you, but you can't handle it yet. I need to prepare you for the right timing. I want to do it God's way, and I want to do it in God's timing. And this is a statement of timing. It was the same with the children of Israel when they were coming out, this new nation, becoming a people dedicated to God, a people dedicated to holiness. They, they're coming out. They've been delivered with the hand, by the hand of God through the servant Moses. They're coming into the promised land. And here's what God tells them in Exodus 23, verse 27. This is a word of the Lord for some of you today. Maybe listening out on the radio. And there you are sitting in your kitchen in New Jersey and and you're hearing this and God is speaking to your heart about what's going on in your life right now. I will send my fear before you and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And to that, if you were there, you'd say, amen. God's going to fight our battles. We're going to win. We're going to come in and take it. Notice the next verse, 28. And I will send hornets before you. Wow, that's pretty cool. Hornets, the hornets are going to fight for me. And he's going to drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. But then verse 29, positive, positive, and then there's a pause. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. And here's the key. If you're writing in your Bibles, mark this. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you've increased and you inherit the land. And that is often the work of God in our lives, little by little. For some of you, you you love that in your life. But for others of you, it's frustrating. You want God to act faster. And perhaps for even good reason. Let me tell you, there's some things in my life that I wish God would have worked much faster than he is. But he's God and I'm not. Little by little, he's going to do the work that he's promised to do. Little by little. Why? Because it's not just about the promised land. You see, God, when he does a work little by little, he prepares the servant. He prepares the people for the promised land. But he's also preparing the promised land for the people. Because if they went in too fast, it would be desolate. They'd lose everything. If they, if they just won all those battles in a year, they, they wouldn't learn how to fight. They wouldn't learn how to trust. They, they wouldn't learn how to depend upon the Lord. They wouldn't even be able to see the hornets. or any of the. If they'd never had any difficulties, they would never cry out to the Lord. Besides all that, on the practical level, the land needed to be prepared for them. The land needed to be prepared for them. Does that sound familiar to you? Back in John 14, Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. See, God's doing a work of preparation in you while he's preparing you. He's preparing the place for you. He's getting you ready for the destination, gang. He's getting us ready. And listen, the destination isn't heaven. 
Heaven's just thrown in as a bonus, the very presence of the Lord. You know what the destination is? Christ-likeness. Holiness. A life that reflects the glory of God in a gloryless and a lack of holiness world that we live in. That's that destination, to be like him. That's why God's working these things out in us. Little by little. And we come back to John 16, little by little. Little by little. I have more to tell you, but I can't. I can't tell you. You're not ready for it. But the Holy Spirit will in his timing, in his way. One final thing, and then we'll head out. In John 16 at the end, Jesus talks about the centrality of himself when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 14, he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So we can conclude that any true work of the Holy Spirit is going to elevate Jesus Christ. Anything that's from the Spirit is going to be a declaration of Jesus, his glory, his goodness. That's an important thing to understand in the context of a church family. Because there are some uh, ministries and, and some gatherings that are outside, just completely out of control. And, and people are yelling and screaming and doing all kinds of weird things. And then when you ask them, what are you doing? They say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do that. But the Holy Spirit will never draw attention to himself. He'll always point people to Jesus Christ. Just like you, anything that you and I do, if we're drawing attention to ourselves, it's not from the Lord. But if we're drawing attention to Jesus Christ, we know that's a work of the Spirit. How does that work out in the... Well, well let's just look at it in the context of our... There's some things that we do here on purpose. For example... Uh, here in our Bible study time, we want to create an adult teaching environment. We provide children's ministry so kids can be taught on their level. We provide different areas. Like we don't, we don't say you can't bring your children into the sanctuary if you feel like you want your kids with you. Fantastic. But you know that if they become a distraction or they're bothering the people around you, we have other places for your kids. There's a family room back here. There's an overflow downstairs because we, want to make, we don't want any distractions because for some people... This 45 minutes of time is all they're getting of Bible study. That's it. They don't have time during the week or things are going on and it's just enough for them to get here. And we want to create an environment. So, so that's why we also, we also ask you, those of you that have the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy, to not exercise those gifts while there's a Bible study. Because the Bible says the, pro- the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So you can exercise those gifts as you believe the Lord is leading you to. And we would just say, please, while we're teaching, don't exercise that gift. Because if I'm teaching right now and over here somebody gets up and goes, ah, da, 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 whoa, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Where is every eye going to go? Just point there. Yeah, now someone's real embarrassed. You're pointing at me? No, over here. And, I'll, and this is what will happen. This is what I will do. I will stop the service and the teaching. And I will say, is there anyone that has the gift of interpretation? And if somebody has, then give us the interpretation. And then I will ask the person, please don't do that again. Because the Holy Spirit is already speaking through the gift of pastor teacher. And I believe the Holy Spirit wouldn't interrupt himself. That's how we would handle it. Now, it doesn't mean it's sinful or like it's, it's we want to create an environment that's decent in order. That's why we have afterglow services. That's why we have at least once a month, sometimes more, we gather together for those with those giftings and we say, man, if you have those giftings, come. Because it's a sweet time. If you've never been to one, see, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. You might be weird, but the Holy Spirit isn't weird. The gift of tongues is not weird. The gift of interpretation is not weird. The gift of prophecy. The Spirit of God moves in dynamic ways. We, Christianity is not a book religion. It is a supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. And he is active and moving among us even now. And, and to be in a group, I mean, there, there, was a, there was an afterglow that I attended. 
And I was in a real bad spot myself, personally. Just really bad. I didn't even want to come. Uh, I was going to make some excuse and not come um, because I just didn't want to be there. I was in a bad spot. Um, I just had some things on my mind and things I wanted to do that weren't from the Lord, but I came. And I came with my family, and I watched the Holy Spirit move around that room through a prayer, through a word, all the way around. I didn't see it until the very end. But now once I went back and looked, I go, man, the Lord is speaking to the Lord all the way through. And he was speaking to me, and I was still rebellious. There were specific things to, to do and to say, and I was still rebellious. I was like, I was, I was like there going, you know what? Uh, I don't, first of all, I'm arguing with the Lord. Uh, and I hope this doesn't discourage you, but I'm just a normal person, okay? Is that all right? And so I'm there, and I'm thinking, you know, first of all, God, I don't want to be here. So you can just stop now. And then second of all, I'm not getting up because I'm a pastor. I really thought that for a minute. I'm, I'm not going to respond because, you know, I just, I don't want all the, att- I, whatever, whatever I was thinking. And then the, I, I got through that. God let me rebel all the way through until the last person. The last person was the pastor leading, Pastor Matt. And he had a word on his heart to close the session. And, and he said something along the lines, I don't remember the exact words, but he said something like, you need to respond you can't be disobedient. Something like that. And the Lord knows me in my heart where I make a lot of mistakes and I'm a knucklehead just like anyone else. But obedience is very important to me in my walk with the Lord. It's very important to me. When God puts things in terms like that, I have no choice. And, and neither do you. You know, you guys are all like, poor Ed, you're messed up. Well, you are too, so we're all messed up together. <laughs> and this was months ago, but still. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm, I'm just like, man, Lord, you, you, have, you, you have brought me to this place to release me from this. And through obedience, he did a great work. We have times for that. I'd encourage you. You're missing out. You don't come Wednesday night. You're not praying with us. You're not battling. You're not battling in the spirit for your family. You don't come to our prayers and prayer and fasting times. You're missing out. There's a time and place for everything. And the Holy Spirit, you know, like in worship, when we have a time of worship, you have a lot of freedom here. Uh, and I want to encourage you in that. If you feel like you want to stand and everybody's sitting, you stand. You feel like you want to have your hands up, you have your hands up. You feel like you need to walk up here and kneel before this stage as an altar unto the Lord, you do that. You feel like you need to find a place in the sanctuary somewhere and just lay down, face down, you do that. You have the freedom. You want to sit, you want to kneel, you want to do that, you have the freedom. But what we would encourage you not to have freedom in is draw attention to yourself. So as Pastor Ian, you know, is, is here and you, you feel like, well, you know, I just, I, that banner service was so good on Wednesday night. I think, I think I want to, I think I want to bring a banner on Sunday and I'm going to run laps in the sanctuary with my banner under the Lord. We're probably going to stop you and say, hey, look, you're running around the sanctuary with this banner. Why are you doing that? Well, because I just want to wave my banner before the Lord. But don't you understand? Everybody's not served. They're not singing anymore. They're looking at you. So if you really want to wave a banner, why don't you just stand in the back and just wave your banner under the Lord? And that way you're not drawing attention to yourself because that's not the spirit. Or maybe you're more musically inclined but, and you're, you know, a little disappointed at whatever musical instruments are up on the stage. And so, you know, you just feel like the Lord said, get your tambourine and sit on the front row. Now, I, re- I realize in previous services, not everybody knows what a tambourine is. I should have went and looked. We have one around the building somewhere, but it's a very loud instrument that goes like that something like that. And you're sitting there and Pastor Ian or, or whoever's leading is leading us and there you are. Ting, ding, ting, 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 ting. What's going to happen? You, you can't come up on the stage with your tambourine. You can't say that you're going to draw attention to yourself. We don't want you to do that. Now, one last thing and then we'll head off. 
A past, that's never happened here, by the way. Neither has the banner thing. Um, but it would be interesting if it did. You'll find out all the ushers right away, I'm sure. Why? Not because we want to make a bunch of rules. But we're leaders. And it's very easy to tell when something's from the Lord and when it's not. That's all. And we just put our, we wouldn't judge you or get mad. We just put our arm around you and say, maybe you need to know more of how the Holy Spirit points to Jesus and not to you. And we can find a way for you to express yourself where you wouldn't draw attention to yourself. So a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, told a story once of a man that came in with a drum about this big, one of those big drums that make a deep sound and sat right here with this drum. And during worship was just dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, not even keeping time and everything. And we're like, the ushers came in, what are you doing? I just came to bring my drum. I'm going to lead drums from the, you know, and they had this discussion with him. He said, you know, would you please stop? And they said, he said, no, I'm not going to bounce. I I came, I'm going to bang on my drum all day. Wait for it. Wait for it. So, yes, they had to take that brother out. That was a joke you didn't get. So now I may never share another joke the rest of my life. Google it. Uh, And so, They had to take that drum and that brother and actually remove him because he was drawing attention to himself in the front. Which leads us full circle. In this church, in any church, the worship is of Jesus Christ. Not the pastor, not the pastors, not the leaders. We're not Jesus Christ to you. And never let that happen in your your life. Never let that happen that Man is more important than God. It's subtle. It doesn't happen to everyone. But even with the children of Israel, remember when Moses was up on the mountain, they became impatient. Where is he? I don't know. And Aaron decides that he says, well, just give me your your jewelry and I'll make an idol and we'll worship it. And that was a bad decision. Because Moses wasn't their hope and Aaron wasn't their hope. God was their hope. And it's real important that we keep the centrality of Jesus Christ because God is not the author of confusion. I know I use some exaggerated examples, but I did that on purpose because we have a wonderful fellowship here and we have a wonderful group of people in all of our services as we gather together and very little of this ever happens, if at all. And we're grateful for that. But we want to make sure that we will glorify him and that we will declare his glory, that we will walk in his truth And the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And where Jesus is the center, there will be balance. And any movement that seeks to put all of its focus on phenomena or on stuff or on signs or on wonders is making a mistake and becoming imbalanced. Because God does move supernaturally, but the centrality will always be on Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again. And sitting at the right hand of the Father, promising to come back soon to take us to what he's promised us. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of John. We're going through the gospel from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have an app that we'd like to recommend. It's free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church and download our church app today.
At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial aid and prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. If you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed has written an excellent book for pastors and spiritual leaders called Sure and Steady. This workbook-style guide would be perfect to go through with your elders or pastoral staff. It's designed to remind you of the main things in pastoring and serving others. Each point and corresponding scripture can be used as a foundational truth in the ministry of serving within your church. Request the book Sure and Steady when you call 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Grace. It's our way of saying thank you for a gift of $25 or more. And here's an idea. Since this is Pastor Appreciation Month, why not order an extra copy to give to your pastor? You can order it online too at calvaryco.store. The question is, has Abounding Grace blessed you? We'd like to know. And it's easy to connect with us at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Leave us an email today and then join us tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to the Gospel of John. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.